Hello and welcome to the Irish Mummy podcast. On today's episode, I'll be talking to mum of one to a little six-month-old boy called Tyg, Lauren O'Driscoll. Um, and I just want to give a bit of warning to the listeners that today's content will include um, miscarriage and details about miscarriage. So just listen to your own kind of cautions if um, if you're currently gone through it or have recently gone through it. So Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. And you're joining me from Kerry, am I right in saying that? Yes, and thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am in I'm in Killarney. Um, beautiful Kerry, wet, rainy Kerry right now, but still, oh, it's beautiful. Such, <laughs> such a beautiful place. That was actually the last place that we all, um, myself, and I think there was like seventeen or nineteen of us went on holiday to Killarney with my nana just before she died. That was our like oh. last holiday, so it oh, always nice. has such a special place in of my course. heart. Yeah, no, it was like the best holiday ever. We rented like one big mad house, and there was like so many of us, and it was just crazy <laughs> and amazing. So it always has a special place in my heart. But you're originally from New York City, uh, from upstate New York. So I'm from New York, um, upstate. I was asked. I was a travel agent when I was in the states, so I was basically put on a trip to come to Ireland for a week, just kind of learn about it so that I could go home and sell it better. And I ended up meeting my husband. Um, If anybody knows Killarney, you know the Grand. Met him at the Grand, fell in love, head over heels in love, and that was it. I went back for a few months and then came back and decided to move over here. Oh my it was a god. Quick, really, really quick. My poor parents. Oh my god. It was, yeah. I, I moved over here and we were engaged about two weeks later. Stop. I came over like to volunteer and we were like, okay, yeah, this is real. And we got engaged and we were married. Like, I didn't know after. that Irish men like that exist. I'm not even <laughs> joking. I'm with my guy 10 years next month. 10 years. Oh my god. House, baby, the whole lot, just no ring. <laughs> so I didn't know the Irish men like that existed. <laughs> hey, honestly, it's so funny to me because I'll you meet a lot of Irish people who are with their partners like you for 10 years or whatever it is. And either neither one of them want to get married or like there's no rush to get married. We're in the States, like everybody's get, like you get married. That's just how things go. It's very rare to see couples just living together as partners yeah my brother actually um used to date a Canadian girl and she used to, her mind was blown by the fact that we were together so many years and my brother who only recently got married um was the same he's with his partner 10 years but they only got married um like they're only married like a year and a half oh my god that's so funny I yeah can't and this that, used like... to blow her mind and like my sister's with her partner now they're engaged for probably about eight or nine years now like engaged eight or nine years they're together oh like God, 17 stop. years stop. <laughs> yeah oh my so God. you have caught a very that very rare so funny no seriously it was yeah it was two weeks we we kind of like you know we had like a little bit of a long distance thing going for maybe three months um but we actually didn't meet again like we met that like when we first met that night that um, I was out with all of my coworkers, we had no communication with each other at all because I didn't know his I didn't know what his last name was. Oh my! God. I knew his first name was Mark, and that was it. And so I flew back with a friend of mine. Ended up going to the Grand and showing his picture to somebody, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's Mark O'Driscoll." I'm like, 
awesome, great, found him on Facebook. And then we didn't meet on that trip. So when I moved to Ireland, that was only my second time ever actually seeing him. That is like low. physically like in like, like you're just being in his presence. And that was like, it was it. I'm telling you, someone is going to write a movie about you guys. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to be like, absolutely. When I got there, I was like, can you imagine like if he was like playing with me this whole time? Like if he didn't like, I'd be so mad or if like he was like, <laughs> listen, like I wasn't interested at all. I, like I look like one, the biggest stalker in the entire world for just like coming back and searching for him. But like, oh my God. So no, thankfully it it worked out and <laughs> five years now. So it's okay. It's so going it's good. Real. It's yeah. going good. It's going, yeah, it's That's going amazing. good. <laughs> that is, I actually needed that little pick me up today, to be honest. Like that is just for anyone who's having a bad day. I think that's just going to make their day, to be honest. Um, and how long, okay. So I, I mentioned at the start of the um, podcast that, you know, we're going to be talking about very delicate content. Um, so here together five years and then we'd had a little chat before we started um recording and you had mentioned that you were on birth control and you decided to come off so do you want to kind of give me a little bit more information about what happened yeah so I had um an IUD or you guys call it the coil the coil, um, the coil. so I had that and it was like expired and it was one of those things where you just you know that it has to come out but like it just never really went into my head like oh I got to set up an appointment to do that um so I was speaking with I had to go get um smear done and I was saying like oh I really need to get that taken out so they're like oh yes you need to make a separate appointment for it so I made the appointment got it taken out and I figured you know what like I just kind of want to let my body regulate at this point um rather than jumping from one to another. Yeah, you know, rather than just, because I mean, I had it for like five years. So me and my husband, like we, there's, you you said it before, like there's never the right time to have a baby. And we've always been in the mindset of if it happened, great, you know, and like that, that was a sign. So when I came off of it, we were, we both kind of said, all right, we're going to be cautious but if we have a slip up, if like something happens, then it is what it is. Yeah, you're not going to go like <laughs> yeah. absolute panic and run down to beats and get in the morning after pill. Exactly. So apparently, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, it was the next month. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, that that happened. So I was pregnant and we were just like, we we're so happy. This was, we found out in, it was the 4th of July. So it was July, 2019. And I it was just wonderful. And that day we ended up booking a flight back home to see my parents. And we're like, okay, the plan was that we didn't, we weren't going to tell them. And it's a little bit easier not to tell them because we're far away. You know, I didn't have to like hide anything. So we're like, okay, we're going to fly over there. My mom, she was doing um, a family, like she wanted to do a family picture. So she had it set up. I knew the photographer. So I reached out to the photographer and I said, okay, what I want you to do for like the last picture, I want you to say, you know, uh, everybody say Lauren's pregnant so that I could get their reaction. So excited. Um, and it was the week before we were supposed to go was my first scan. And that's when they realized that the baby stopped growing. And they said, well, either it was one of two options that either the baby had stopped growing 
or my dates were just off, which was very possible because before that, like my period was so irregular that especially after coming off birth control as well. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. So there was so many, like, it, they basically said, okay, go and then come back in two weeks and we'll scan you. And I was like, what? Like, I'm supposed to leave next week to go see my family. I don't know. Like, it, it was just, there was a lot. It was a lot of emotion. Um, so I went to my GP and she was awesome. She took my bloods and like checked my levels. And she said, you're actually at the perfect level for a six week, like for somebody in their six week. And, and how far along did you think you were at this stage? I thought that I was like nine weeks. Okay. So since we were going private at the time, they brought us in for like the early scan. Mm -hmm. So she said it looks, and he's the doctor. He said that um, he thought that we were about six, like it looked like the baby was measuring six weeks and that's where my bloods were as well. So we're like, oh, okay. Like maybe it's, maybe that's good. So just to kind of give you a, like an example of the time frame, we had that conversation with him on a Wednesday. Friday, I went and got my bloods drawn. I had to wait again until the Monday. And that week, so we're, it's Monday, we were flying out on Friday to go tell my family. Okay. So Monday evening, I get the call that, no, unfortunately, I, I had to go get my bloods drawn that morning. She said, unfortunately, I had miscarried. And so you go through this wave of like, you, it's just shock, complete and total shock. And then they hit you with, listen, we don't think that you should fly either. Oh my God. And were you very optimistic, do you know, when they were kind of saying it could be a miscarriage or you could be, were you quite optimistic that yeah. you just gotten your dates wrong? So in your head, everything was still fine. And, or were you kind of like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. Like this is. No, I, I was positive the whole time. And I think like one thing that frustrates me now that I've gone through it is how miscarriage is represented in movies, television, and how it's not spoken about. I think it's starting to become a conversation, but it's not spoken about in sex ed, which yeah. is killing me. Like there's always been a very clear, like with sex ed, it's you have sex, you get pregnant, that's it. Yeah, and it's like there, there's so many other things that can possibly happen in between. Yeah, and I've I very much I'll be honest with you. I have friends who have miscarried. I have family members who have miscarried, and I never know what to say to somebody. So yeah, you know, I would tend to. I know it sounds terrible, and I'm really sorry for anyone who kind of takes this up the wrong way. But I would tend to be one of those people that almost avoids you. Right until a certain amount of time has passed because I'm the person who puts my foot in my mouth at everything like yep. at every given opportunity I'm that person that says the wrong thing and the last thing you want to say to somebody who's going through that amount of grief is the wrong thing so if you can advise someone like me who hasn't a clue what to do or what to say to somebody who's going through a miscarriage what would it be I think the biggest thing is to reach out to them and just, you know, everybody, whether you've had a miscarriage or not, you never know what that person is feeling. They're specific. You know, what's their goal? Yes. You know, so even like I, I have a friend who 
had just miscarried. And I said, our experiences are different. We both unfortunately are in the same club, but our experiences are so different, but I'm here for you. And I think that was the biggest thing for me is I just needed to know that somebody could, was like, if you need to talk, I'm here. Yeah. You know, or like, cause I, I was very open to talking about it. I think probably earlier than some women would be. Mm-hmm. And I remember going out for lunch with a friend of mine and I was just explaining to her what happened. And she was like, you just seem very calm about it. I said, I have to talk about it. You, I feel yeah. like it's like, I almost felt like it was a responsibility because women don't speak about it as much as I feel like it, it should be talked about. It should and be I, a conversation. Like it should yeah. be part of the conversation. Like when you're talking about like pregnancy and it being a moment stuff, like it should just be as normal yes. as they were talking saying- about changing diapers. Exactly. They said when, when I had, when it was a confirmed miscarriage, they said, you know, one in four women will experience miscarriage. One in four. Like, that seems th- huge. That's huge. And it's so, so the fact that something is so common, but yet it's so hushed is ridiculous to me. You And do you feel that if this had happened in the States, it would have been more talked about in the States? Do you think, I think as Irish people, we are very much, we don't talk about our feelings. Yes. And that is something, whether it's dealing with pregnancy loss or like postpartum depression, or even just mental health in general, I find it very different over here than in the States. Okay. I think in the States, there's people are in a different mindset. It's not necessarily like you got to be tough, like you like tough it out. It's there's options available to you. As long as people can afford it, that's a different thing, but there's options available. And I do think that people are, have the conversation, at least this, like our generation now, they're kind of leading the way to make things like this become the norm to start speaking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you get this phone call on the Monday and you're told, okay, you're having a miscarriage or you are a miscarriage. Like it was confirmed. Yes. And you're meant to fly out on the Friday. Yes. So now, because we'll throw another monkey wrench into all of this. At the same time, we were moving on the Thursday. So our plan was on the Thursday, we were going to move all of our stuff, move into our new house, and then just fly out the next day. And like that was, we had that all planned out. And obviously, like, things just change, you know? So they said, we don't know if you're going to be able to fly now, um, kind of depending on where I was, um, like in the miscarriage process. And so Tuesday, Tuesday, I didn't hear from anybody. Wednesday, I get a call from my GP and she said, listen, I spoke with your OBGYN and he agreed. No, you can't fly. Lost my life. I was like, I have to like, there's, there's no chance. We don't have family here. Like there's no chance that I'm not going to be around my mom. My mom's my best friend. You were like, I need, I need a hug. I need to like, I just need to be in my, my parents' house right now. And they're like, okay, well you can try to go to uh, CUMH and see if like where you're at in the process, maybe they can perform a DNC for you. And we, so we got there on Wednesday. We were there there for a while to be honest with you um 
And every doctor was like, nope, 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 you're not flying, you're not flying. And it wasn't until we got to like the last person and she looked like she looked at, she just scanned and she was like, because I also have a bleeding disorder on top of this. So if I get a cut, I don't stop bleeding. Like it's, so my blood doesn't clot at all. Yeah. And that kind of made things a little bit more serious. So she said like, this is potentially life-threatening for you. If you are on a six hour flight and you start having a heavy bleed halfway across the Atlantic. So that really like kind of messed my husband. And so we were like, okay, like we're not going to be able to go. And the very last doctor, right before we're getting ready to leave, he says, let's call her OBGYN, see if he'll come in tomorrow and do a DNC for her. And then she can fly out on Friday. They were so nice. They called and he was like, yep, I'll be there. And they they did a DNC on Thursday and we were able to fly out on Friday. And was that, what was that process like for you? You know, like I've had a DNC under anesthetic and like during my surgery um, for my endometriosis, I did DNC. Yeah. So, you know, what, what is the process for that when, for miscarriage? Like, are you awake? Is it? No, no, no. Um, the one thing, like anybody who's had a baby at CUMH, you know that it, it's a great hospital. It is, but it's very difficult to go there for something like a DNC or miscarriage. And you're in the same area as women who are giving birth and newborn babies. And there's just all these emotions already going on. And as I was in the elevator to go to my room to get my DNC, there was a woman coming up from the delivery suite holding her newborn baby. So I had oh to ride God. the elevator with her. And I was like, oh my God. And you know, you, you don't want to be like a jerk and just like not look at her. And I was like, oh, congratulations. And I'm sitting there, I'm like shaking. I'm like, oh my God. Like, so that part is really hard. And I'm sure if that woman had known what you were there for, she would have died. Yeah. Because I would have, like, I literally, I would have lost my life. Like there's that part, I think it's, it's just tricky that, you know, that's, that's very, very difficult. Um, but the process, so you go up and like, I got checked in and everything they scanned me um and basically this was I had to be there for eight o'clock by 11 o'clock I met with my doctor and some nurses and they gave me this pill which is supposed to like soften your cervix which you, you can like start to bleed at that point I was supposed to go in for my DNC at one o'clock well because I was the very last person on the list there was tons of like emergency c-sections that day and I didn't actually go down into the theater until eight o'clock at night wow so I was there for 12 hours no food you're not allowed to drink so I just put ice cubes in my mouth and had to spit them back out um and this whole time I was bleeding so that process was pretty traumatic um and on top And on top of it, we were moving that day. So my husband couldn't be there with me. Wow. And so he was struggling with, you know, and I'm so grateful. Like we have amazing friends who just got our house together and like were moving things for us. Um, But that part was really hard. Um, I had 
the most wonderful nurse under the sun. Like she had actually gone through something similar um, when she was living in Australia. So she kind of understood the, I'm not, I'm home, but I'm not home. You know, you don't have people there. So I was crying at one point and she was holding me and like, you, you nurses, they're just, they're a different breed of people. And, angels on earth. Like, oh my they God. They definitely are. Like it takes a special type of person, to, especially in a maternity hospital. Like yeah. those women are angels. Everything. Absolutely everything. And I was forever, forever thankful and grateful for everything that they did in such a horrible circumstance that they made the experience as positive, I guess, as it could be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then they, you know, eventually they bring you down and I was out for, I went down at eight. I mean, the whole process, like, you know, it's about like 15, 20 minutes, but I was out. I think I, by the time I went back, by the time I woke up, it was like about 10 o'clock. Okay. Um, so it wasn't too bad. And then, um, you know, you have to they have you stay there for a little bit just to kind of like get your bearings, make sure that you can, you can go to the bathroom. And then my husband came and uh, got me and it was good at that point. It was just tough, just awful. That must have been horrendous. I suppose the part that I find the hardest in that is that you're on your own. Yeah. And I suppose being in a pandemic now as well, there are probably way more people doing it on their own and not yes. by choice. Exactly. And knowing what, I mean, then having to, to go through that on my own. And what I can't like emphasize enough is that it, the entire time, like my husband would have been there wholeheartedly if it would have been an option to. Yeah. And it, it just wasn't at the time, like it just wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked for us. We wouldn't have been able to do it. And it was one of those things like, okay, either move that day or pay the extra thousand for the apartment that we were living in. And we just couldn't afford that. So to have, to not have him there. And then I, I do feel like that experience though, it did bring us closer together. I think any parents who lose a child, regardless of the age of the child or it can really make or break you. And when there's a big life event like that, it really, I just, I never felt so connected to him. And we really just, I just relied so heavily on him for emotional support. And up until, you know, then when I got pregnant with Tig, it was, now we're in a pandemic and I had to go and do it alone. Like, and this time it was, it was completely different. Like it was happiness and you want your partner there. Yeah. Yeah. And not to be able to, I can't even imagine. It's just, it's difficult. Like it's so unbelievably hard and it's, it's not fair to, you know, yourself, like be, you ha, you're there by yourself. And even when, after the baby is born and you're still by yourself and you're like pushed into motherhood now and you've no one to hold your hands. Nobody. Yeah. I couldn't shower. I was four days without a shower. Like those are the things that you just don't really, that we're not supposed to be going through. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. And In that's, like, that's age. the pandemic thing. But um, as far as 
you know, for the, for the miscarriage, it was, yeah, it, it was tough. And I think the worst was that since it was at CUMH, when then I was going to give birth to Tig, I was in the same area. Yeah. So I had to walk past the room that I was miscarried, like that I was uh, miscarrying in. Yeah. And where, cause I had to have a cesarean and I was in the same theater room that I was in for my DNC. So brought back, you were having these, making these new memories that were lovely and happy, but then you're also reflecting on your loss of your pregnancy. And this part is super weird. And we didn't realize this until afterwards. It was one year to the day. So my son was born August 20th, 2020. And the first baby I miscarried on August 20th, 2019. Oh my God. So it was like, like, and it was so, you know, kismic, but it was like, oh my God. And I do think it was a little bit of a healing process too, to have to go to the same room, to have to be in the same area. And on the same day, a year later, it did kind of feel like, okay, you know, like it was a little bit healing, but also like. That had to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. So then you get out that night and the next day do you fly to the state yeah okay and did and you tell your family there and then what like so I had or- told my mom after the initial appointment okay um but what was hard is like you said like nobody really knows what to do nobody knows what to say um my mom is she's just everything to me and she told my uncle who like reached out and you know like I'm sorry but and I was so mad at her I was like why would you tell him like I don't want people knowing yet and that's not like that's not me like I really did and my mom was like I'm sorry like I just I don't know what to do yeah. and you know we talked about it we talked about it recently too and I was just like it just kind of felt like I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to address it at that point. And things had happened so fast. like. And you probably didn't even know what you were feeling at that time. No. As you said, it all happened so fast. And it was, you were still very optimistic at this point. So exactly. Like, you probably hadn't even come around to the reality that this was happening. Exactly. And like when we got to, when we got to the States, it was like from that Monday to when we get the news to flying out on Friday morning, it was just like, so much adrenaline going of like grief and okay like I need to get to, like there was just all this anxiety and panic and that by the time we got there Mark and I never even had a minute to talk and say like check in with each other how are you feeling how, there was none of that and so was it, it wasn't the, in the middle of all this you're moving house which exactly own, like is ridiculous yeah, it, it, like it's ridiculously stressful like I have a friend who's pregnant at the moment and she's buying a new house and she is like up the walls about trying to do two things at once yeah and then but you know that's that's one thing but then you throw in like moving house and then having a miscarriage and then having all these feelings of grief and yes. not knowing how to feel because it's not like when somebody you know dies you get a goodbye and you can kiss them or do you you know it's exactly it must be very I can only imagine I personally haven't experienced it but I can only like I had a brief moment where I thought I was having an ectopic pregnancy and I was I oh my god I was an antichrist like you there was no talking to me and that everybody handles it differently 
and for my husband, he, Mark just like kind of shuts down. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry guys, but like, this is a lot of Irish people. They just kind of like, you bring everything yeah. in. Tell him and his sister lives in Wicklow. That is me all over. <laughs> and that's, that's not me. I am very, very vocal. If something's bothering me, if I see, you know, just something outside, if like a, you know, somebody looked at me the wrong way, I'm going to be talking about it for like 10 minutes to my husband, like, can you believe that? Like this, like, that's just how I am. And where he doesn't do that at all. And at, this was the only time that I hadn't really talked about it either. And we were on the plane and we sat down and we're like, let's just drink. And it was like the entire flight. I was like, just bring me wine. Just all I want is just wine right now. And we got to the States and it was like, everybody tries to like, you know, hug you or like, oh, you know, how are you feeling? And you're like, I don't know how I'm feeling because I haven't had a minute to process this. And I think when it hit both of us was we went to like this big fair um, and my brother met us there with my nephew and I was watching my brother and my nephew play mini golf. And all of a sudden I just started like shaking and it was like, that should have been my husband. That should have been Mark and this child. You know, and that part was difficult. For Mark, he said that he, as we were at this fair, like there were so many baby babies and that part for him was hard. And for me, it's seeing like fathers and toddlers. Yeah. That was like my trigger. And it was like, I think after that, I just, I, was an antichrist I was just like lashing out and there was no there was no talking to me were you angry yeah did you feel anger like did you feel like why did this happen to me yeah and you know it's so like most women you know I immediately internalized it and was thinking like what did I do you know like what's wrong with me and I know like because there's the logical part of my brain that's like Lauren this is so common that you did everything right. And then I was like, you wish that it was like, I fell off a horse. Like you wish that there was a reason for it and there's not. And I think that's the hardest part is having to be at peace with not knowing why it would happen. Why? And you have to be. Yeah. And I can imagine that's very difficult because as you said, you have a logical side of your brain and I, this is, literally how I explain myself to people I have a logical side that I know you know it's very much oh yeah this is why but then my emotional side is just this whole other crazy side yes and that's that's it 100 percent yeah and, and that's how I explain myself yeah. to people with postnatal depression is logically like I understand this but emotionally like this is what's going on and this yes. is the overwhelming part of my brain that takes over yeah and you also have to like throw in hormones at the same time with all of this. Like when, like for, when you have a baby, your hormone levels are wild and you're, while you're pregnant, even like after you give birth. And then same thing though, when you have a miscarriage yeah, is it takes a minute for your levels to get back to where they were. So this whole time I'm feeling pregnant, like my boobs were hurting and, but I'm not. So then there's that frustration of, like, why do I feel this way if I'm not pregnant? Yeah. You know, and just wanting things to just like, okay, just like get back to normal. 
Um, but it was a lot of anger and a lot of just confusion, I think like, and a lot of, definitely took the weekend that we were there, we were there for um, a long weekend. And that whole time, it just was like a lot of anxiety that just kind of hit at random moments. And did you find that everyone was walking on eggshells around you because oh, yeah. they were so aware of what you'd gone through? Yeah, gotcha. And um, did that make it easier or did that make it harder? Like, would you per- have preferred for somebody to talk, like sit down and talk very straight about it with you? Or were you kind of like, just leave me alone. <laughs> I need to deal with this. To be honest, in that moment, I think like, I did have a family member who like tried to talk to me, but the way that it was approached wasn't helpful. Okay. And I think the biggest thing like the most important thing when approaching somebody who's had a miscarriage is empathy. Yeah. Like I can't say that enough. It's like, it's not that difficult to just try to empathize with somebody like that's, that's it. And yeah. to just kind of like, listen and say like, if you want, like, or ask them if like everybody is different. And I appreciated my mom had said to me like, what do you need right now? You know, my best friend said the same thing. What can I do? Like, do you want to just go and get ice cream? Do you want to go get our nails done? Like, how can I, how can I help you right now? And that's hard because you might not even know yourself. And sometimes it's perfectly okay to just sit in a room with them and just be quiet. Like just yeah. sit there in complete silence. And that was like, cause that's my dad. My dad is you know that he's at his most comfortable with a person when he can just sit there in complete silence with them. And there was a few times where like, we would just be sitting there and it just felt nice not to have somebody ask me and not to like talk about it, to just feel like I was content. Yeah. So I think dads yeah, it, are good at it's that. different. Yeah. yeah. Dads are good at that. <laughs> like my dad's totally the same. If I'm ever going through something or I'm having a bad day, I know that if I'm around my dad, I can sit there and not have to talk about anything. Yes. And we're in mutual agreement of, okay, I'm going through something, but it doesn't mean I want to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. That's, oh my, that's 100. My dad is like the calm throughout any storm. He's just, he, my parents, they've been married for 40 years and they are the most, they're, they're complete and total opposite. Are you sure I'm not your long last sister? Because mine are married nearly 40 years as Stop well. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> I must ask them. <laughs> that is so funny. It'll be 40 years for them in April. Yeah, my uh, parents are June, I think. That is so funny. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> they're they're like just total opposites. Like my mom is, she's loud. She's like the life of the party. She's and my dad is so calm and cool and collected. All like they just could not be more opposite, but it's good to have that balance of the yin and yang to each other yes and when you need them it's like easy to know okay you know what I need calmness I need somebody level-headed I'm gonna go talk to my dad yeah or like to pick me up exactly I'm gonna go talk to my mom mom. (laughs) exactly exactly oh that's lovely they were they were though they were my whole family was very good they you know at one point my brother he I think it was when we were at the fair he was like listen I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry. He's like, you know, there's nothing that I can say to you right now, but like, I'm, I'm the baby of the family. Um, and my brother's nine years older than me. And he's just, I love my brother. And he was like, I'm, I'm just so sorry for you and Mark. 
and like that kind of just to hear that where like obviously there was nothing that could be done and it doesn't change anything but it's just nice to hear and obviously somebody say something so like that genuine it. exactly and that's yeah. what like that's the difference it's just, I'm so heartfelt oh, sorry like yeah. you know oh I heard I'm sorry but like to actually yeah. be heartfelt and be like I actually am really like to understand and yes. understand fully like that they are genuinely sorry for your loss and like you said like you felt it and I felt like the sincerity coming and I think that's the important thing is like I was saying to be empathetic but to just be genuine about it because yeah. you know you can tell like we as humans it's in our nature like we can tell when somebody doesn't mean it yeah uh but yeah that was yeah that was the that was it it was it was a tough it was tough afterwards too I was I'm very fortunate that my work is they're just so good like they're a very good company and I took two months off after and to just kind of regroup yeah um Mark and I we went to Portugal for a few days and that was just it was necessary we were like let's go do something just the two of us and kind of regroup and it was nice it got us into a good headspace after that and I felt like we were like okay you know what like we can kind of start to move forward it's always there it's always in like and as soon as I was you'll I never out, forget it it's no. never going to be something that you'll be like oh yeah do you remember that time like it'll always live with you exactly and even and to be honest as soon as I found out that I was pregnant the second time with Tyg, it was like oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> I was, was so it? scared I think I was stressing about it more so so I found out on I got pregnant to be honest it was pretty quick um, I have a miscarriage August 2019. I found out I was pregnant New Year's Eve wow. that year. So we were like, but that's oh. kind of lovely. Yeah, but it was just, we were, I was not expecting that. I know, but it's just, I love it though. Like you're coming into a new year and you're kind of leaving. Yes. And it's not, obviously, you're not forgetting about it but, or anything, but it's kind of like just this love. It was a beautiful chapter, like yeah. almost like a close. I think like the full closing of the chapter was when I had Tyke, but it was just like a crazy, like, hey, you know what? This year really sucked for you. Here's a gift. You know, like oh, that's yes. how it felt. And the crazy part though was, <laughs> my me and my best friend were going on a two-week backpacking trip through Europe in January so I did that when I was pregnant oh my god <laughs> I like I found out I was pregnant and I called her and she was like do you still want to go on our trip I'm like yeah sure why not like yeah let's do it yeah. and when before I left I was desperate to try to see if I could get in to get an early early scan and they were like no like you're only about like six weeks at the time it was like six seven weeks Um, and I had one of them and they will put the fear of God into you because yes yes no it's definitely for anyone who's pregnant at the minute or looking to get pregnant or whatever do not do the early early scan because they are terrifying because a lot of times they can't find the pregnancy because it's too early right they can't see a heartbeat because it's too early and all it does is put fear into you and that was, that's exactly what they said to me. And I said, would you check my levels for me or anything? And my GP was like, Lauren, the best thing that you can do is just relax, just yeah. have fun, like go. So when I went on my trip and we we're, and I was very fortunate, I had a really good pregnancy. Um, a lot of people, especially for the first trimester, like they have a difficult time, but I was fine. And 
the whole time that we were there, like my best friend, Nina, she would say to me like, are you feeling okay? And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like, and I really kind of succumb to this, what will be, will be. Yeah. And I have, I have a journal that from the minute I found out I was pregnant, I started journaling. So, and this is for Tyg when he's older Then, like, you know, and it was nice because we would be, you know, if Nina and I were in Rome that day, I would like write stuff down. I'd include like pictures, postcards, stuff like that. And I started to do that with the first baby. And that was a really hard thing for me to get rid of that journal. And then when I found out I was pregnant this time, I was like, I'm still going to do it because regardless, I thought, I felt like it was important if this pregnancy stuck or not. Yeah. It's almost, a it was important. Exactly. Mm. And when and it's a good way to acknowledge your pregnancy regardless of and yes. I don't I don't mean regardless that sounds really kind of flippant but whether the pregnancy is successful or you do miscarry it's very um it's it's a good way of acknowledging it that, right. it was, that it's real of course and when we got back then um we went my husband and I went for like an early scan um so I would we went public this time I think I was I thought that I was 10 weeks, but I was actually about like 11. Um, but it was like that moment where like, she was like, listen, you know, it might take me a little bit longer to find the baby, you know, because of the size. So just don't get nervous. She was so, so sensitive to the situation. And like, thankfully at this point, we weren't in a pandemic. So Mark was able to be there with me and my heart goes out to all the women who had to experience that moment alone. Um, so I'm holding on to Mark's hand and then she, was, she all of a sudden just like flipped the screen around and she was like, and there's your baby. And we just hysterically started crying. Like it was like nothing. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I can't even, like, oh. it was, and like huge shout out to them at CUMH again, because we said like, like, can we, can we hear the heartbeat? Like that was the big thing for me was I just wanted to like hear, and they were like, listen, we really don't like to do that so early. Um, okay, I'll just do it for a second. And she did it for a second. And for Mark to be able to hear it, because after that appointment, then he wasn't allowed in yeah. anymore. So for him to be able to hear that, it was just, it was everything. That yeah. was absolutely everything to us. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a crazy year. <laughs> it's still, it just kind of, I feel like I'm still kind of like in the insane mindset just from everything that's happened but well, you're only six months postpartum so oh definitely you are like it's it's a whole that's that's further on in the conversation but did you have a really you said your pregnancy was really easy was it just kind of textbook yeah I mean I I hate talking about it because it was so good and I feel bad talking about it sometimes it felt so normal um, yeah like yeah. for anybody um who's familiar with Carrie in the Clarny area, um, we have the, the steps, cardiac hill, and it's ridiculous to do like when you're not pregnant. And I was still doing it at like 33, 34 weeks. Okay. No, Cause I, I just felt <laughs> like, I just felt, I felt so good. I did feel bad. Like my sister, she was pregnant at the same time as me and she was not like, she was thrown up and she was not, she was like, I don't like this. And I was like, I was sad to not be pregnant yeah yeah like I was because I since I had to go in um at 39 weeks like I was so like just I just loved being pregnant I absolutely so I. loved it it was just the best 
I hope that my next one is like that <laughs> like whenever that happens. Cause it was just, my mom had very good pregnancies too. She really enjoyed being pregnant. And I, there was just, no, there was just not like, I never, I never had a craving, which I was really mad about. I wanted oh, I to hate. like, Oh, I wanted to be like, Mark, go and get me this. I, I need it right now or I'm going to die. I had this, oh, I had this thing for ice pops and loop to loops in particular. And I would like to be like, we live five seconds away from a Dunn's stores. And I'd be like, Ian, quick, go to Dunn's. I need ice pops. And he'd come back with like two boxes and I'd have to meet him. But like, I didn't need anything else. Just ice pops. Like the next one, I even if I'm not. I my pregnancy. <laughs> because I all I to... had was ice pops. I need to just like pretend that I'm having cravings, I think. And just be like, oh, you know what? Like I, I need thai food right now or else i'm gonna die and just see how much like he like runs because he'll do it like he'll search anywhere for anything yeah. but yeah i just i never had that desire for it there was just nothing like oh god i don't know if i would wish it on somebody though because like i'd literally wake up first in the morning and i'd eat knife up like, <laughs> okay it could be worse though but no it what? definitely could be no it definitely <laughs> could be but like i'd if i was going to my mom's house for the day i'd like stop off in like a little or an aldi and like stack up on ice pops and like bring them to my mom's house because I knew she wouldn't have any or we went to visit a family member who lives like 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 a bit of a journey away from us and we went to visit her and I knew that there would never be ice pops in her house so I was like okay mom we have to stop we, can, we, we gotta get them we gotta get the supplies and I went <laughs> the supplies and her husband put them into the freezer and I was devastated because I only had one out of the box and I was sitting there and I was like is it really rude if I just go in and get like maybe like box of ice pops and just bring them out and just see here eat them and I didn't and I was like <laughs> on the way home I was like we have to stop at a shop we have to get more oh my god oh, so bad I lived off them like I didn't so was it literally just like like if you didn't have your ice pops like how do you think you would have like oh I was like a, I was like a demon <laughs> oh my because god I, I, couldn't, I had no appetite for anything else I couldn't yeah. stomach anything else oh like I could, like I wasn't sick or anything, but the only thing that I wanted to eat was ice pops. And I completely went off chicken, which is hilarious. I couldn't, oh, I couldn't even God. look at chicken. That's so crazy. Yeah, it was really, it was bizarre. But the, um, the only thing actually, none of the, the only time we like, we were going for a walk and we just walked past McDonald's and I was like, ooh, that smelt good. But I'm not sure if it was a craving as much as it was like McDonald's fries are the best. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so it was like, ooh, I could have that, and like I took a bite, which is huge for me. I don't, I eat meat, but I'm I'm not really a, a beef person. Um, and I was like, I just want like a bite of one of those like single hamburgers, like with the chopped up onions and the pickles, and like I just wanted one bite, and I had a bite of it, and I was like, yep, all right, that's all I needed. Like, and that was the end of it, and that You're was as yeah, and that was as close as I got to a craving but I feel like that was more Lauren talking rather than the baby <laughs> yeah no you could be surprised you could but have I could blame it on the baby like yeah yeah no that, that's acceptable and I remember you saying at the start of this conversation that you have um a disorder with your blood that your blood doesn't yes pass. so were you monitored really closely because of that disorder or was there were they very like just go with the flow um it was weird to be honest with you um so they checked my, so um, what I have is called Von Willenbrand, which is 
basically my blood does not clot as easily as other eventual eventually it'll clot at some point um but it doesn't clot as easily as somebody who doesn't have this and i originally this kind of came to fruition when i was living in america and all any tests that i'd ever gotten done on my blood all of that's been in the states and so when i came over here it's never like hindered my life you i've never had really bad like a bleed out or it's I've never been that bad I had when I got um my wisdom teeth taken out they increased like different medication that I was on to clot my blood but that's it you know it's never really bothered me on day-to-day life so I never really went to a hematologist over here and when I was discussing this like I have this blood disorder they're like okay you're going to speak to a hematologist and they were kind of like like shooting in the dark because they didn't have my records from the states and I couldn't get to the states to get my records yeah because now we're in the middle of a pandemic so it was kind of like okay what are we going to do with her and at one point one of the doctors said okay well because we don't know if your baby has the same disorder as you they couldn't use the forceps. They wouldn't be able to do like the vacuum. They couldn't do that. So it was essentially, I would need to have a, and they weren't going to let me labor for a long period of time either. So they're like, so either it's going to be like a quick labor or an emergency C-section. And I was like, but what, why? Like, what is the, why would we be doing this? So after discussing it with then the hematologist, they were like, you know, it's the best option would be for you to go and have a planned cesarean. Um, and that kind of, once that was the decision, I didn't care as like at the end of it for me, I don't care if I needed a cesarean or if it was going to be a natural birth, as long as the baby eventually comes out, I don't care how it, how it happened. Yeah. Um, so once they said, yeah, you're going to be having a cesarean, it just kind of felt good to have a plan. Um, Cause that's a more controlled environment that they had they had my blood on you know they had my blood on standby they had um this additional clotting medication yeah going for me um so that was really good that everything was there and you felt very safe and very happy it was yeah I felt everything was very very smooth um having the cesarean was a extremely smooth process um I would my biggest fear was like feeling any of it like you know like as they're yeah doing everything and you don't you don't feel anything you there you feel tugging I thought like I was going to be like yanked off the bed at one point my husband's like are you okay and I was like geez like I was being pulled in every direction uh but they were just all again like the doctors midwives nurses they're just amazing they were so good and it was a very smooth process I felt very safe the entire time and I'd say you were just elated that you were that woman coming up in the elevator with your newborn baby yeah. after all of that. Yeah. Especially there... after everything you've been through. Yes. And like for it to be, for it to be the same day was just insane. Absolutely were you aware insane. that it was the same day then or was it an afterthought? I, so they called me and they gave me the date. They said, okay, um, August 20th you'll be coming in. We'll call you the night before and tell you the time, blah, blah. I said, okay, great. So hung up. And then this was, I think like 
a week or two before that they gave me the date. And it wasn't until like, I think it was maybe two or three days after I was like thinking back on, I was just kind of like reflecting on the experience that we had had. And I was like, wait a second. And so I went through my calendar and I looked at the dates. I was like, yep, that was to the day. Like that's, it was so, it was just, it was crazy. The whole thing was just absolutely. And I said it to, to Marcus, like, can you believe this? Like, it just felt like it was just huge. Yeah. It was, it was absolutely huge. That's amazing. And so you were saying, so, so you were a pandemic pregnancy like myself. um, And I assume, especially after everything that you've been through, that you were very much like every mom going through this crazy pandemic. All you want to do when you get pregnant and, you know, it's a very happy pregnancy and you've been looking forward to it, is like be able to go to the shops, pick out your buggy, pick out your car seat, baby clothes, you know, set up your nursery. You know, you have all these ideas of what it's going to be like to be pregnant and to have a baby and bring a child into the world. And then it wasn't like that at all. The hardest part for me was not being able to ever go home. So like my family, none of my family members were able to see me pregnant. Like my parents came over here last February for my husband's birthday. And that's when we told them I was pregnant. So like they knew I was pregnant, but I didn't get to, like nobody got to see the bump. Nobody got to feel feel it. it. Yeah, my mom had this, unbelievably amazing baby shower planned for me and I couldn't do it. And it just kind of, it felt like this was supposed to be my turn. You know, like after losing the first baby, it was like, this is my turn. You know, like this is something finally, like I'm not the type of person that does like, like, you know, big extravagant parties or anything like for myself, I, you know, I, I do a lot for other people. And so to have this be like, wow, this, this is for me. And then it, it was like, nah, it's not like, and then it got taken away that, that was really, it was just disappointing. And, did and you I know feel like, robbed? Did you feel oh God, like- yeah, I still do. I mean, my parents haven't gotten to meet him. That must be horrendous. It's, I can't like, it's been just the hardest. I've spent my entire maternity leave indoors. Yeah. That part's hard. And then- it is. It's, I try to explain this to people who haven't had pandemic pregnancies. It's a loneliness that you can't fix. Yeah. Like it's there's so, so like that's, that's it. 100%. Yeah. It's not like, you know, if this was normal times and everyone's at work during the week and you're like, oh, I can't really go meet anyone because everyone's at work, but you can still go for a coffee and sit in a coffee shop. You could shop. still go to Penny's. Like, yeah, yeah. You could do any of those things. Yeah, like, I just think that a pandemic pregnancy has just been, like, I personally had a really good experience with my labour and stuff, but, you know, I spoke to a girl last week, Laura, and Laura was saying that she was on the pre-labor ward and stuff. And yes. her partner was on that ward with her. And it was only after that conversation with Laura, I was like, my God, like I spent the whole day and the whole night. Like I spent 24 hours on my own mm-hmm. in that ward because Ian wasn't allowed it with me. And I was like, it was literally oh, only God. after that conversation. I was like, 
oh my god if this wasn't a pandemic he would have been in there with me yes. I suppose I was lucky that it was my first experience that I didn't know what to expect so for me that wasn't abnormal right so for me it was just kind of like I just assumed this is the way things go because everyone else was in the same boat all the other women in there were on their own and I was like okay this is manageable like it's fine and it was only after my conversation with Laura last week that I was like oh god like if it wasn't for this pandemic I would have been able to have maybe my sister could have come in for a few hours and let Ian go for food and yes wow like uh, yeah that was just really kind of a moment for me to go oh my god I think it also speaks to the volume and like any any of the women listening like and you have a pandemic pregnancy or a pandemic baby like it just shows how strong women are that we're so resilient and for me the the time that I spent in the hospital that I was like I felt like cuz I was I was nervous about being a mom I knew that once the baby got older I could handle it but like when they're baby babies I was terrified I didn't know what to do like I'd never really been around a newborn oh really and yeah like I was not and like this is just going to sound funny like I was not a baby person oh no I wasn't all. either I was adamant I wasn't having kids it, well I knew I wanted kids but it was like that baby age I was like uh I don't really know what to do with them at that point where my husband, he's like, if he sees a baby, he's like, oh, let me hold it. Like he's, I, I have no desire to hold babies. Like they just, when they don't have control of their heads, that always kind of scared me. And so to then be like thrown into, okay, your partner who is a baby person can't be there to help you. And now I'm doing this on my own. And when I left, I was like, damn, I got this. Yeah. Like, I am a badass. And seriously, like we are just, we're so strong. And I think it's so, it, while it sucks, it really does. Like there's no other word to describe that. Like the, that whole thing just sucks. It shows what we're capable of. And I find it so fascinating, like how quickly you learn because you have to learn. You don't have a choice. Exactly. It just, you know, for anyone who's like, anyone that's concerned that they won't get that motherly instinct it's sink or swim you don't have a choice so it's just kind of you wing it like fake it until you make it 100 percent. like I I knew that like something would kick in at some point because I do I love kids but with a baby I was like I don't know like I'm scared I'm gonna break it (laughs) and then as soon as it's your own you're like ah this is fine like yeah, he's, he's, he's tough. He's like, they're tougher than you think. Oh yeah. You know, um, but then my husband's cousin, they had a baby in December and we saw them over Christmas and they're like, Oh, do you want to hold her? And I was like, Oh God, no. Like I might break that one. Like when it was mine, it's fine, but it's somebody else's. That's terrifying. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) And so like you come home with this baby and has your husband, has Mark just like stepped into his role as a dad? Has he just, is he in his element? There is like, there's some men I feel like that, you know, they could be dads or like, they, you know, like it, it's kind of like either they will or they won't be like, and then there's some dads or men that are born to be fathers. And my husband is born to be a father. Like yeah, so that indeed. is, you know, that's just like the world, w- it would have been a disservice for him not to become a father. Yeah, even if he wanted to be a dad before yeah. I ever even entertained the idea of being a mom. 
that and I I love that I love hearing that because usually it's always like oh the women you know they talk about being moms and this but to have and for you too to get to experience your husband your partner live out this kind of dream of being a father it's lovely it, watching them yes it's I get so amazing. much enjoying sitting back with my cup of coffee and watching the two of them interact 100 hilarious like she is her, her dad but in so many ways yes she's me she's my sass she's definitely <laughs> she is as sassy as I am but she's so like her dad and I get so much enjoyment sitting back and watching her interact with her dad and just to see how happy the dads are because oh, yes. they missed so much you know it was so unfair to them for partners like ours and like so many of the men that are out there that aren't able to be a part and they want to be yeah you know, some women are doing this alone and you know, maybe the partner isn't, isn't included and maybe they would have been doing it on their own regardless. And that's tough. That's a different level of tough. Yeah. But then when you have a partner who is like, I want to be there, but they're not letting me yeah. is even like, that's, it's just not fair. Like that's what it comes down to. It's just not fair on the fathers. I feel like fathers really kind of get bumped a lot. Yeah. Um, especially over here in the States, at least they're allowing them, they're allowing them in while like they're laboring and they can stay afterwards. Okay. So that's really good. They can't leave and come back. So okay. for my sister, as soon as she went into labor, her and her husband got there and then he stayed, like they just stayed. It was the two of them, then the three of them in the room together until they were discharged, I think a day or two later. And he was allowed to stay there for like the yeah, he stayed the whole time, which was so like that's awesome, you know, just so that I think you don't realize the impact that it has on your mental health, yeah, not to have your partner there your or not support. to have a person, just yeah, a, just like anybody. Um, but yeah, it, it's not it's not cool. Like I said, I said um in the beginning, you know, it took me four days to shower. Yeah, and that was like because the nurses obviously they're busy and they don't always and when you have a cesarean like you have to wait a certain amount of time anyway um but it was the last day and I was like can I please shower (laughs) I was actually very lucky so I'm I'm quite um I'm actually quite chilled as a mom yeah so like if she's quiet I'm like okay I'm just gonna dip off now and do what I need to do or whatever so I'm, I'm quite chilled like that but when I was in the hospital I had this amazing woman and I, I'm so sad I didn't get her name but I had this amazing woman and she was in the bed across from mine and she was amazing and she was under her third so she was like wow. oh she was yeah she was she was super experienced she's a pro yeah yeah no she was and I remember the baby so Lucy had like vomited on me and I was like god I really need a shower and she heard me say that now I was speaking to myself yeah and she just turned around and she goes listen she goes if you are okay with it, she was like, pop her into her little crib and you go have a shower. And if she starts fussing, I'll just pick her up. That's awesome. And I was like, oh are you, I my was like, are you sure? And she was like, yeah, yeah. She was like, mine's fine. She was like, mine, mine, all, like all her baby wanted to do was eat. Yeah. Like her baby barely cried and all it wanted to do was eat. Like it was the happiest baby I've ever seen. And she was like, listen, she was like, if she starts getting fussy, she was like, I'll just come over and pop a dody in her mouth or, you know, pick right. her up or whatever. She was like, sure, you're only going to be a few minutes. And she was like, and then when you get back, I'll go and you can keep an eye on mine. 
and I was like I love you <laughs> I oh my like, god I, I love that and she I... was amazing and I think she knew that I was a little bit younger than her as well and she kind of looked out for me and I right. just loved her instantly I was like she was like my second mom in there I was like uh, do you mind if I ask you this or is this normal or she was yeah just amazing I had a roommate who was very kind um but her baby was he was a crier like a non-stop crier so oh. she kind of had her hands full yeah and like every single time I would like start to fall asleep her baby would start to cry and yeah. I would just stare at Ty like don't you dare wake up and thankfully he would sleep through it but yeah, yeah it was so that part was yeah that was tricky but I do think like for women out there now like who are going to be going and having their baby and if you're not sure especially like whether you're a first-time mom or it's your seventh kid it's so helpful if you speak to each other like if there's another woman in there it's so nice to be able to just talk about anything or to offer like like think of the experience that you had to just have a mom be like go take a shower like, yeah and that you know, did me the world of good to be honest yeah you really feel like a that. new person yeah and you do you really get out of the shower with this new sense of purpose you're like I'm clean I can do anything yes and so you get home from the hospital and how has your experience been as a mom have you loved it have you struggled have tell me all about it so I I definitely kind of settled quickly into mommy mode I would be like you said like a very chilled out I I got very lucky with his sleeping um I my plan originally was uh, like I was going to breastfeed and then maybe pump if I had to, um, but he did not latch at all. And that can be really difficult. Like if when you're in the hospital, because they're kind of very pushy on, okay, if you're going to breastfeed, like, let's keep trying, let's keep trying. I'm like, he's not doing it. Um, so as soon as I got home, I started pumping and it just changed everything for me. And yeah. I was very lucky that because they were having me use nipple shields in the hospital and they are, they, for me, they were just painful, like excruciatingly painful. And I didn't want to have to do that. So I, I said to me and my husband, we were like very clear on there's no pressure. I hate the breast is best. But no, as long as the baby's fed, it doesn't matter. Like that's it. Yeah. But you want breast to formula. It. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I knew just simply for the convenience of it too, because I knew if we were out, if we were having dinner or something and Tig was with us and I needed to just pop it out and feed him, it would just be easy. Yeah. Um, but it just wasn't that, that part wasn't happening. So then when I started pumping, I was realizing that my supply was kind of like, it was ridiculous. It was very good. So I'm very fortunate in that aspect that I've been able to freeze a really big stash. Okay. So now I'm at the point, I said like by six months, I'm done. I'm not pumping anymore. And because it, it is a lot, it takes a lot out of you. You know, you would have to do it like every four hours. And for me, because of how much I was producing, they would hurt. They would really, really hurt. Um, and I would try to like push it out a little bit just so I could get a little like longer sleep. Um, cause Tig would be sleeping and I would be getting up to pump and that's just, that sucks. That just sounds ludicrous. It was, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But then I, once I was able to like push that out where I could be like, okay, at least at night I can get like a decent chunk. Then it, it started getting better. 
Um, and now, easier for you. yeah. And I'm at the point now where like I pump in the morning, maybe at like eight, nine o'clock. And then again at eight, nine o'clock at night. And so to have the entire day and not even have to think about pumping is huge. And I could like, I, I know I'll stop, but the two times a day is actually not too bad for me right now. Yeah. It's not, it's not putting you out or, you know, not at all. Yeah. Not. And I like if it's eight, nine o'clock at night, what's really nice about that is if I'm not going to bed for like another hour, I can just relax and I don't have to think about, Oh, I got to pump. Oh my God. If I have a glass of wine, I don't have to time it out. Like I love that. It's, it's kind of very easy. And I've been very, very fortunate with how much I've been able to produce that I have a good stash saved that will keep him until he's truth. It'll probably keep him until he's about a year. And almost you really have the best of our world, Sarah, because you don't constantly have a child latched to you at all times. So like you're free to, do what you need to do you can get mark to chip in and feed yep. so it really is the best about worlds because you know he's getting breast which you know you have to acknowledge it definitely is best nutritionally like they definitely it's right you know it's made for babies like it's specifically that is why your boobs are there is to give milk to right. babies and i'm a formula feeder so i'm not knocking formula feeding but you know you have the knowledge that they are getting exactly what they need from you and the benefit of being hands-free. And what I loved about it too, um, and you talked about it before, is it's like, it's this sense of accomplishment too. Like, and I didn't really, like I always knew that I, I liked doing it because I liked, you know, feeding him. And then it was somewhat recently, my husband said to me, he's like, Bourne, do you realize like you kept him alive for five and a half months until we started until we um started moving into solids he's like you were the sole provider of his food it's like that's like that's amazing yeah and, you know, and when he was saying this to me I was like damn you're right like go me yeah. <laughs> it was like this like it was I just I really it was definitely a sense of accomplishment too and yeah. I, I was very proud of myself for being oh, definitely that. Like, I think that anyone who does it like you need to give yourself a pat on the back yeah absolutely and you know, again, it's not knocking anyone who's formula, who formula feeds. I formula feed and I do not feel one bit guilty about it. I don't lose As long as the it. baby is being fed. It, yeah, like, and it's just what's, what's her, better for you. Yeah, yeah it, what's better for me is going to be better for her in the long run. And exactly the way I see it. So it's definitely not knocking. And how have you found everything about parenting? Like, you know, obviously there's so many amazing wonderful things that come with being a mom and especially like the first six months are amazing but have you had your challenges like have you met your it's crazy to me how quickly things happen yeah like it was because he's he's six months today so it was last week he was like I had him I had him on his back on the floor on his little play mat and all of a sudden I like looked over and he was like he was going. And I was like, what are you doing? He's rolling, like full on, like barrel rolling now. And I was like, crap. Like, it's just like you unlocked a new level of parenting that you have to start like barricading things. Oh, absolutely. I'm fine. I'm going to find him under furniture soon. Like, oh, no, he's... I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. I, about, so Lucy, I was really, I don't know if I'd say fortunate or unfortunate. Lucy started being able to roll really early. 
probably yeah. in about like four and a half months <gasps> oh my god yeah and my thing that I used to do to have a shower in the mornings because I used to get up and get her ready and then I'd get ready for the day and I used to put her on her play mat in my bedroom because we have an ensuite in our room so I used yeah. to leave the door open pop her on her play mat I'd hop in for my quick little two minute shower and I could see her through the glass and I was there and I was sharing away and I looked over and the baby was gone. And I was like, what in God's name? And I hopped out of the chair, I was so mad, like running into the bath, like running into the bedroom. She's under my bed. <laughs> and I was just sitting there and I was like dripping all over my carpet being like, what in God's name have I got myself into? I can't yes! even shower. <laughs> um, yeah, so now I, I just, yeah, I just wait until she naps now and then I just run up because she naps. And I just run up and have like my quick shower, and that's my way of getting ready. Because... It's genuinely like a whole new ball game. Once they're oh, able to start game. doing things, you're like, oh my god, no, no, no. Because at first, when they're so little, you're like, oh, I can't wait until like he or she starts like doing stuff, and then they start doing stuff, and you're like, no, stop! Oh my god, like why, why are you growing? Yeah, that no, part is, that part's hard. It happens like, and as you said, like everything happens so quickly, and I like we are very like our babies are very close in age like there's only two months yeah. between them so like there's really not that much um and we are so um Lucy's been weaning since she was I think it was 25 weeks we did a lot um so we started weaning her on Christmas Eve and this is just going to I'm just gonna this is gonna sound so mad so I actually tested positive for coronavirus on Christmas Eve oh my god yeah and I didn't know I thought I had a head cold like literally and I just got tested because both my parents are very um they would be at high risk of okay. coronavirus and there were, we were all meant to have Christmas dinner on Christmas day and I had a little dress for Lucy and she was ready she was gonna wear this gorgeous like mini mouse Christmas dress and then I tested positive for coronavirus and we had just started weaning her that morning and I got my test results that night but she was loving it and I was like crap what am I going to do because I can't you know I can't I have to isolate I can't go yeah. wean her and stuff um so we just had to keep going with it and her dad be like outside my room being like what do I feed her now <laughs> and I was like I don't know because I can't see what she's liking and what she's not liking and you know I was kind of just going to like wing it and just see what happens. My mom, my sister are amazing. They kind of dropped loads of little like pouches out. And oh, went, nice. Like, yeah, so it was really good. But I've actually found weaning quite a difficult process. Okay. So how have you found it? He eats everything. I'm so jealous. Absolutely everything. I'm so serious. Like he's a good baby and he's the type of baby that like, you're like, oh, I'll have another one. And you know, the next one's going to be like the spawn of Satan because he's too good. Um, yeah. He sleeps like he'll, he's, he eats. He's just, he's very, he's fine. Um, yeah. There's nothing broccoli. He's a little bit like, Ooh, what is this? But if I mix it with sweet potato, that's it. Like he'll devour it. So we've, but like I was saying to you before, like he's, he's quite hefty at this point. So like he needs we started off like doing like the one ounce three times a day uh or one ounce once and then you, um, move along so that you're at three times a day and then we we were upping it to two ounces and 
I was like, all right, I'm going to wait till he's six months to up it to two ounces. No, he was not going to allow me to do that. He was like, he would finish his ounce and then he'd look at me like, come on, let's go anymore. Yeah. And I think uh, that's an important thing. I think there's so much information out there that tells you at this time of, at this age, they're going to do this. And at that age, they're going to do that. And you can't, if you're a new parent or if you're pregnant or don't go by the books go they're gonna do it when they want to yeah go by your baby every baby's different we're at three ounces three times a day now like because he's like he's he's a little hippo he wants it and that's I'm going by what he's from the start even like with bottle he when we first brought him home and he was a newborn and he was taking like three four ounces from the start and I struggled to eat into my daughter yeah like he's he eight months old do you know like it just every child like, yeah no my child's crazy oh don't like oh <laughs> she's under dietitians like she just she's not a food eater she just doesn't love food she's and not that's, and then you have mine who had nine ounces for breakfast this morning like you know like i've never it's so I've crazy never, ever been able to give my child nine ounce bottles like she's never had a nine ounce bottle in her life like you know and every I think that is just such you know a prime example of how every child is different so and for ours to be so close in age too that's the other thing like ours are so close in age and and mine's older yours is doing so much better with the food you know and I think I do think that that's it also, I, I hope that she gets better. She gets older that you don't have like a picky eater on your hands. Well, I'm a picky eater. So, oh, that's why she gets it from you then. So yeah, we're gonna yeah. you have nobody to blame dad, but yourself with that. Her poor dad is going to be coming home with all these fancy meals and me and her are just going to be looking at him going like, yeah, right. <laughs> where are the chicken nuggets? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is just going to be us. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I think it's just such you know, a prime example of like every child is different. And, you know, there's no, like I I will be the first to admit and I'll put my hands up and say, I beat myself up so bad over her eating because I'm like, it's my fault because I'm a picky eater and I didn't eat all that nice stuff that I should have been eating when I was pregnant. You know, I was eating the ice pops when I should have been eating broccoli. <laughs> and, you know, I have all these things in my head, but it's all down to mum guilt. And I kind of started I've really started to let it go and you have like you have to because like you you can tease like you can joke about it and say like oh it's my fault like oh I'm a picky eater but that's like even for you to genuinely feel that that, that's not how it works you know like that's not like you know that's not how any of that works like so I could eat ice pops on my next pregnancy my next child could come out like wanting lobster do you know exactly what I mean? or you know what's gonna happen is lucy she's gonna hate ice pops <laughs> or she's yeah, gonna be exactly. like no like that's gonna be the one thing that she can't stand you, yeah, you have exactly. no idea like and broccoli would be one of my favorites and that's one part for Tyg that he's like "Ooh, there's a little much like that yeah. you have to mix it with something else so he's like okay calm down there mama <laughs> yeah like all right all right like you could see the faces that he makes and i'm clapping like oh yeah this is great and he's like oh is it though i'm not sure <laughs> So it you have no, like, and the thing, like, like you said, you have no idea what's, what even is going to happen until you, until you're experiencing it with them. So I, I kind of really go by his, the vibes that he's given off, like that he's giving off. So I can just yeah, go by that. You go by his cues. Yeah. Always. That's the best way to do it. Cause they're the boss. Yeah. End of story. 
they are the boss. Don't ever think you're in charge because you're a boss. (laughs) Well, even with how big he's getting, um, and I was saying to you before we started that, I'm 5'4", my husband's six foot, and Tig right now, he's six months today, but he's been wearing six to nine month clothing for a little bit. And Mark put on pajamas on him last night that are nine month. And I said to him, like, how are we possibly going to discipline this child? But he's going to be bigger than us soon. <laughs> like, Mark's going to be, he's going to be like five years old. I'm going to be like, get to bed. And he'll like tower over me. Like, you don't tell me when to go to bed. Like, <laughs> how are we going to do this? No, he'll be like, it's going to be a gentle joint. Just keep telling yourself yeah, he's going to be. That's what everything in our, we have a great Dane as well. Um, so everything in our house is like, bigger than normal so we were just kind of laughing like we just apparently we just don't do things small like we have this giant dog we have now a giant baby like it's just kind of how things happened oh look it'd be worse if he wasn't eating and he was struggling and 100 I'm very very blessed and I I tease I make fun like that's you that's just kind of how I how I am yeah um but I'm so unbelievably blessed. I, I have a very, very good baby. It's a good house. Well, Lauren, I'm going to ask you one more question. And Perfect. my question is, you know, what advice would you give to other moms during this crazy pandemic who are going through what we've gone through and what, you know, is going to go on, it looks like for a long time to come. So what advice would you give to those moms? I think the biggest thing, like for me, that I've kind of taken out of it, like, and I did touch on it before, is just, it's so hard, but we have to just constantly remind ourselves how resilient we are. And this is so unfair. It's so unfair to, whether this is your first baby or your 12th, it's unfair, the situation. But we are so powerful and we're so resilient. And it's important to acknowledge this and give yourself credit for it, for what you've been able to put yourself through this entire time. And it's not the pregnancy that we had expected, and it's not the maternity leave, it's not the birth that we expected, but it is the situation that we're in. And when all of this is over, it's kind of great because we have this newfound sisterhood amongst us, you know, pandemic pregnancies, pandemic babies, that we get that. And from now on, it's going to be 10 years down the line and all of these kids that are going to be in your daughter's class and my son's class, we all went through it together. So just kind of remind yourself, like, yes, we're, we're all in the same storm. We're not in the same boat. We're in the same storm. Some are in yachts, some are in tugboats, and some are just drowning. But we're all in the same storm. And at the end of the day, it's got to stop at some point. Um, but just remember, once all of this is done, and our partners are allowed to go back in with us and they're allowed to, to do all of these things. It's going to be wonderful, but also to take away from, we did this. And that that's huge. If nothing else, if there's nothing else that we can take from it, it's the fact that we are so freaking awesome. And I couldn't have put it any better myself. Lauren, you have been amazing <laughs> to chat with today. I've loved Thanks, our- I loved this. And um, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. And don't forget to all my listeners, if you wish to be featured on the podcast, you can send me a message um, on my Instagram account, the Irish Mommy Podcast. Lauren, thanks very much. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you.